Hello, my witchy friends, and welcome to episode number 19 of the Comfy Cozy Witch podcast with me, Jenny Blonde, the Comfy Cozy Witch. And thank you for joining me today. I'm really excited because today I'm going to be chatting about garden witchery. And I've been thinking a lot about this topic lately because I've been spending much time outside as we're moving into spring. The weather is turning a bit warmer. I've been thinking about my plants, the design of my garden, and more. So I'm going to chat about that in just a little bit. But before, I want to tell you what is currently making me feel comfy, cozy, and witchy. Okay, what is currently making me feel comfy, cozy, and witchy? And this will be short this episode because I'm actually recording this after I've recorded everything else. It's the first time I've ever done this and the podcast is already over 40 minutes long. So I don't want to add too much more with this because I like to keep my episodes preferably under, you know, 45 minutes or under. But what is making me feel comfy, cozy, and witchy right now? And this is so cliche is not the word, but it is the sun. The sun is making me feel comfy, cozy, and witchy. And, you know, I love, I love, don't get me wrong, I love my lunar magic. I love moon magic. I love um, my connection to the moon. But I love solar energy. And it's funny because my friend Rowan, who I'm going to mention, you all know Rowan. Rowan and I mention each other on our podcast all the time. He said this to me once before too. He said he is, he is, he's a solar witch. I mean, he, he prefers solar energy over lunar energy. And that actually is what got me thinking what, what I would prefer. And I couldn't answer that. I can't answer that because there are times where I love working with the moon and the moon's energy. Um, but I crave, I crave the sun, I crave solar energy and fire, and there is a lot of fire in me, and I I need the sun and being out in nature under the sun to like survive. Like I love, I love the sun as much as I love the moon. So I'm both. But so I'm gonna talk a little bit about why it was a wretched winter. You, you've heard me talk about this. I loved the snow. Don't get me wrong, but we had too much of it this year. We had too much and it was not melting and it's finally gone. In fact, a number of people commented on my stories over the weekend, your snow's gone, your snow's gone, yay. And I was so excited. And last night, my partner got home and he um, came in the door and I said, see ya, I have some errands to run. And so I had to run about a half hour away. And no kidding, in the parking lot of this shopping center, there was still snow. And we've had, what, four now 60 degree days in a row. And there were still piles of snow where the snow plows had plowed out um, the parking lots, there were still piles of snow there. And I just, for a second there, I felt like my heart like just did one of those flops. Like, it was supposed to be gone. We're supposed to be going into spring. Um, but the sun 
has just made me feel so comfy and cozy. The last three days we've spent as much time outside as possible. Ostara weekend, we were outside all weekend. I didn't even get to make my deviled eggs until way late on Sunday because I wanted to be outside spending as much time as possible outside. And, you know, we're, we're able to take long walks now. We've gone on nature walks. Part of my son's homeschooling, you know, we take science outside now that it's getting nicer out. I actually got sunburnt over the last two days. If you were to look at my forehead, I have a really, really high, high forehead. And I had my hair pulled back and I even have SPF in my moisturizer. Um, but I, I got sunburnt. Like my head right now hurts to touch it and my nose a little bit. Um, and then a little bit on my neck and like the top of my chest, I got a little bit sunburnt and I'm okay with it. You know, sunburn isn't good, obviously, but I'm okay with it. It's gone to like a pinkish color now, but that just means the sun is back out. It's kissing my skin. I'm just soaking up that solar energy, soaking up that vitamin D, and it gives me more energy and it gives me, it makes me excited to do all things. I mean, everything's everything in my mundane life and everything in my my practice and in my the witchy life, my witchy life. And so I am just soaking in all of this solar energy and absolutely loving it. So I know I wanted to keep this segment short and I'm at five minutes. So I will say that is what, the sun is what currently is making me feel comfy, cozy, and witchy. Okay, moving on to the main topic this week, which is garden witchery. And, you know, at first I thought about talking about green witchcraft, but green witchcraft and being a green witch, that is such a broad topic. It's like a huge umbrella and garden witchcraft, I think, would fall under that umbrella. So and I, so I want to talk about garden witchery because spring has sprung and oh, that was really cheesy, but oh well, spring has sprung and I have been spending a lot of time, a lot of time planning out my garden, more time this year than even last year, which was our first year in this house when I was first planning out the garden, what I wanted to grow, if I wanted to do low beds, raised beds, the shape, the size, all of that stuff. I am finding myself thinking about my garden more this year and I've been planning it for weeks. I mean, weeks and weeks. And it's not going to end up being anything elaborate whatsoever, but it's just, I'm putting a lot of thought into it this year because I saw how things went right and how things went wrong in our first year in this home last year. But I'll chat about that later. I'll tell you what my bar- my garden will look like in a little bit because I want to get back to the topic. <laughs> so today when I talk about garden witchery, I just want to chat about what you can do to make your garden a magical space, um, different types of witchy gardens that you can have, and some rituals that can go along with with garden witchery. And I do want to mention just a little bit of a tad bit of history, not a lot, because I feel like I want to talk talk a bit about 
the history of green witchcraft, that umbrella term, before I go into garden witchcraft. Of course, as you know, I mean, years and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years that witchcraft has been around. When you think of green witchery, or at least when I think of green witchery, I think of the folk healers, the cunning folk, um, the wise men and the wise women who just knew what herbs and what plants and what flowers work together to help heal, to cure ailments, um, to help people heal physically and emotionally, and and things, combinations that they can use for love and happiness and abundance. And so I just wanted to touch upon that before moving into garden witchery that, you know, green witchcraft and the history of green witchcraft has really at its heart stayed the same after all the years, these years. We've talked about, you know, some elements have changed and names of things and wording has changed. But when it comes down to being a witch, to me, it's about honoring nature, honoring the cycle, the the life cycle and the nature cycle. And you're so close to that when you're in your garden or when you are practicing green witchcraft and then using those tools to help others heal. Like to me, that's what this practice is about. And then getting to know yourself in the process of doing all that. And me specifically coming from a line of folk magic practitioners, you know, which fall under that green witch category, you know, the folk magic, they they were healers and were also spellcasters who performed folk magic to a particular in a particular region. For me, it was the Pennsylvania powwow Brockerai um area. But often they were, you know, just people like you and me and grandmothers who just knew how to fix things, had a talent for fixing things and had a talent for, you know, choosing the right herbs and the right plants and saying the right words to heal and bring magic into people's lives. So I just wanted to touch upon that a little bit. And I know I veered off topic a tiny bit, but that's what I do sometimes. And again, you all have told me that you like when I go off topic a little bit. So back to back to garden witchery, now that we talked a bit about, you know, green witch witchcraft in general. So in this is the time of year. It's early spring. And many of us who follow pagan or earth-based or witchy spiritual paths, we're beginning to plan out our gardens for this coming season. I know I've posted a number of times over the last few weeks on my Instagram about figuring out what I want to do with my garden, uh, what plants, just preparing in general for my garden witchery. And so many of you have said, oh, I'm sowing seeds. I've done this. I'm outlining mine. Some of you have even sent me little diagrams of your gardens, which I really love. Keep doing that. In fact, if you're in the Comfy Cozy Witch Facebook group, share those, share those in the group to give some other people ideas. Actually, that gives me the idea to create a post about this so we all can share that. But, you know, this is the time when new life is coming from from seed. 
And the act of planting, the act of planting is ritual and a magical act in and of itself. And I think so many of us just, we love that because it's so connected to us as witches and our magical practice. To cultivate something in the soil, to see it sprout, to watch it bloom, it is to watch magic unfolding right in front of us. How amazing. And so the plant cycle, just like the moon cycle, is so tied to witchcraft and tied to a pagan or earth-based belief system um, that it's no surprise we like it so much. So I want to talk about some types of gardens you might want to create if you're a witch, if you're new maybe to having some sort of magical garden. And I am and I want also to say I understand there are many of you who are listening who live in urban settings and you don't have large spaces for a garden. Remember, you can use a windowsill. You can use a corner in your living room or a corner in your kitchen and and throw and use some pots for your garden. It doesn't have to be outside. If you have a little bit of sunlight and you have water and the temperatures are going to stay relatively warm, you can have a garden. You can have a garden. So here are some types. You may decide to do an elemental garden. And an elemental garden is a garden based on the four elements. And you know, I've seen the elemental gardens before. I really like the ones that take the shape of a pentacle. And so there are really um, five, five sections to this elemental garden. And, you know, one section represents, of course, air. One section represents water, one earth, um, one fire, and then one spirit. And most of the times I've seen these gardens... Um, they're aligned with the directions. So of course, air in the east, you have earth in the north, fire in the south, water in the west, and then spirit we know is is ether is everywhere. Um, but you could you could lay out your garden like that and decide, okay, which plants and flowers do I want in in my air section? Which plants, which flowers do I want in my earth section? And so forth. And so you could have a garden based on the elements. And it's really up to you to put whatever plants or herbs you want <laughs> in those spaces. Um, yes, there are there are a number of herbs and plants and flowers that are associated with a specific direction or a specific element, but you don't have to stick to that because guess what? Not all herbs grow in every type of climate. Not all flowers grow in every type of climate. It really depends on where you are living. So an elemental garden is one type of garden that you could create. And I, I kind of like that idea of the elemental garden. And now I'm thinking, oh my gosh, maybe I'm going to maybe I should make a mini one. Maybe I should do a small pentacle in my garden and separate the different sections with with stone or pea gravel. See, now I'm going to be reconfiguring my my gardens all over again. But yes, um by connecting different parts of your garden with the four elements, you can add that little bit of magic into your life. So, that is one type of garden. 
maybe you want to do a lunar garden or a moon garden because I know many of us love the moon and you may not realize that you can grow plants and flowers that bloom at night. So maybe you have a separate moon garden or it's part of your garden already, but cultivating a moon garden is a great way to, again, get in touch with nature. It also provides a beautiful backdrop for your moonlight rituals in the summer. So I have my outdoor sacred space and I that would be a neat idea to put moon garden and flowers associated with the moon around that. So you have this beautiful backdrop. You know, I have a beautiful backdrop while I'm doing any of my rituals outside because as it gets warmer, as I've said before, I take my practice outside to my outdoor sacred space. Right now, it's still a little chilly. I'm inside for any ritual work, but I'll take that outside very, very soon. So a moon garden would be lovely. I like that idea. Um, Also, you could do a deity garden or a goddess garden if you want to, or a god garden. You know, plants and magic have been associated with, with deities for, you know, many years. And maybe you want to dedicate your garden to a deity that you work with. Um, When I think of my home and hearth and plant and, and green and kitchen witchery, I always think of Hestia and breed, those are those are the two that I always go to. And whatever, you know, deities you correspond with or that you connect with, you know, you might want a garden that is dedicated to one of them. So you would plant specific flowers to honor them, specific herbs to honor them, and maybe you would go to that garden to do any ritual work, you know, dedicated around that that god or goddess. Um, another garden would just be a simple herb garden. And this would be a, an easy one, especially if you live in an urban area, because herb gardens you can grow right on your windowsill. And they're small. Herbs don't take up too much space. Well, unless depends how big of the pot you get. They can take up space and space and space and grow. But you could have a nice little herb garden that you could go to and use in your kitchen witchery. And if you have an herb garden right on your windowsill, you can just pick off some basil and pick off some rosemary and thyme and whatever herbs you want to use in your kitchen witchery for whatever intention. So a nice a nice quaint little herb garden is lovely. And I have one section of my garden, so I have four raised beds. So one section of the one bed is where I keep a number of my herbs that I then transplant outside. I also keep fresh herbs all spring and summer long in my kitchen. So right on my kitchen counter, and I move them to the windowsill, and then I bring them into the kitchen whenever I use them. Um, So I have, you know, a couple spaces for my herbs and herb gardens all around the house. And then of course, just a, a garden in general. You don't have to have a specific witchy garden, an element garden or a lunar or a deity goddess garden. Um, You could just have your, your regular garden and then just add touches of magic to it. That's what I have. I have my, it's a large garden. I have four raised beds. I say large, it's large to me because it's the largest one I've had because we have more, more land here than we've had where I've, I've lived in the past. Um, But I have four raised beds, and I think they're eight feet by six feet each. And I 
grow anything from my herbs in them to, let me think back this last year and what I'm doing this year, to peppers, different types of lettuce, cucumber, onion. I'm doing carrots this year. Oh, basil, that's with the herbs, but I do a lot of basil because I love my basil. Uh, one of the, half of the boxes, I have flowers. Last year we had sunflowers and zinnias because my son wanted to plant them. Spinach, oh, lots of spinach because I'm a big spinach eater. So here it's just your, your regular vegetable garden, but within my garden then I bring in touches of magic and I'm gonna talk about that next because I think for most of us, we will we'll just have a garden, but we want to know ways or you might wanna know ways that you can add touches of magic and witchiness to your garden. But I'm gonna take a break to get some water. <laughs> And I'm back after that little break. <laughs> Thank you for sticking with me. So, you know, ways to to make your everyday garden a little bit magical. First would be working with the moon and the moon cycles in the planting cycle. So when you are planting. So here is just some general information about moon cycles and what what it's best to do in your garden during those moon cycles. So first would be from a new moon to the first quarter moon. This is a really great time for you to plant leafy annuals and herbs. So again, new to first quarter would be leafy annuals and herbs. From the first quarter moon to your full moon, this is a good time to plant your flowering annuals and any above ground vegetables and fruits, and also vines. So that's your first quarter to full moon. From the full moon to the your third quarter moon, this is a good time to plant perennials, any root vegetables, and any bulbs that you have. And I have quite a bit of these this year, so I'll be working a lot in the full to third moon area. And then from the third quarter to the dark moon, um, this is like weeds. It's good to to maintain up weeds and keep everything kind of maintained. It's good to cultivate at this time and to fight any pests <laughs> or disease, hopefully in a, in a more natural way. I don't like to use pesticides on my garden, um, but sometimes it's it's hard not to do that because last year, I mean, my my tomatoes were just inundated with aphids and they destroyed two, two or three, I want to say two or three of my, of my plants. But, you know, the moon is, is associated, obviously we already know with witchcraft, but it has been tradition, not just in the world of witchcraft, but, you know, old wives tales, planting certain types of vegetables and certain types of flowers and plants under different phases of the moon. And that's so important in agricultural <laughs> practice. And, you know, sowing and harvesting were once done according to the phases of the moon. And depending on who you talk to, it's still done that way. It's really interesting because my mother-in-law, who is the farthest thing away from a witch, like, opposite of which, <laughs> um, she still, she plans by the moon. 
which every time she talks about gardening, because she's a master gardener, every time she talks about gardening, it just makes me laugh when she brings up the moon cycles and doing the same thing that I do, you know, as a witch following these cycles. So it's just kind of funny. Um, But in general, plant things whose strength um, lies above ground while the moon is waxing and plant things um, whose strength lies below the ground while the moon is waning. So that's why, you know, your root vegetables and bulbs, you know, that that you would pick from in the ground, your carrots and your potatoes and so forth, that would be during your waning phase. And then your flowering vegetables and above ground vegetables, your cucumber and your lettuce um, would be during that waxing phase. I hope that that was helpful a little bit there. And then also, you know, the moon cycle corresponds to the different phases of the life cycle of the plant. So new moon obviously goes with seeds. Crescent moon, you know, things are shooting and sprouting. The waxing moon, when things are growing and flowering at that point, the full moon is things are come to fruition. So you have your fruit, you have the grown fruit, the vegetables, what have you. The waning moon would be when you harvest. And then the dark moon is, you know, cutting cutting everything down and preparing for new growth. And for me, you know, I follow this when I do my lettuce because I'm constantly throughout the summer, I am planting and eating lettuce and, you know, cleaning the beds and planting more lettuce and then, you know, cultivating the lettuce and then harvesting the lettuce. So that that's a cycle that I do, you know, a few times, three or four times throughout those spring and summer months. So, yes, yeah, so the moon, that was the first thing. Bringing some magic into your garden is planting by the moon. Another way to bring a little bit of magic into your garden is through the use of crystals. So you can use crystals as protection around your garden. So find corresponding crystals and place them in the corners of your garden for protection. Um, You can also use crystals to help grow. And last year, we, we planted two blueberry bushes and my son came outside with me. And before we planted them, when my partner had dug the hole, And my son and I each had, he had some citrine and I had some clear quartz and we threw a little bit and I just, it was just chips. Um, We threw it into the ground before the blueberries went into the ground and said a little blessing with them. And it was just really lovely to use, to use the crystals and use my practice in planting like, you know, an everyday mundane thing. Okay. Planting some blueberry bushes, but we added a little spin, added a little bit of magic to that. So using crystals in your garden is great. And even having, if you have some larger crystals, you don't mind keeping outside and ones, of course, that can get wet. Um, You can place them all around your garden if you would like, or you could even build crystals into stepping stones, stones or the mulch beds around your garden or, you know, that's something I already said now that I think about it, but you can use the crystals to bring a little bit of magic into your garden. Another good idea is to have an altar, an altar in your garden, a garden altar, a small space that before you tend to your garden, you sit at and you meditate 
and maybe it's a little tiny bench. Mine is a little tiny bench um, that I can sit down or sit in front of if I want to and do a little bit of meditating, think about you know what I'm doing in my garden that day. I might say a blessing or two over my garden um, and thank goddess, thank whomever it is you want to thank, spirit or mother nature is always good when we're working with the garden, universe, whoever it is, um, and thank them for the blessings that they give you in helping with the growth of your garden. So I, I mean, a big one, I probably should have talked about the altar first because that's a big one in my book. Um, because I go, when I go to my garden, yes, it's a place that grounds me because I'm very much present and very mindful and in the moment whenever I'm working in my garden. And I think that's why I just love it so much because when I'm working in my garden, I'm not thinking about anything else. But the first place I like to go is my little altar. And you'll see it because I'll post pictures uh, this spring and summer. Um, my little altar in the back. And I do a little quick meditation. And it's, I mean, really, it's 30 seconds to a minute. It's really fast. And then I get to work in my garden. So some other things you can bring into your garden to add that little bit of magic um, would be representations of the elements. I keep those on my altar in my garden. So last year, because it was our first year in this house, I had my my little bench, so the altar in the garden, and then I wanted different representations. And of course, you're on you're on the earth, but I had a crystal. And I remember my son and I went for a hike, and he found he found this piece. I don't know where it came from because I don't know where we would have gotten driftwood, but it was a little piece of driftwood. And it was shaped, it was thin and long and it twisted and it looked like a wand. I mean, it looked like a magical wand. It was beautiful. And he picked it up and he said he wanted me to take it. So it was in my garden and it represented, you know, water on my altar in my garden, this little bit of driftwood. And so I had that in my garden last year, which was just really cute. And I need to go out. It has to be out there. There's no way I got rid of it. I need to think about where I put it. Um, I'm sure it's just sitting in the garden right now, <laughs> which I probably should have taken better care of those of the, some of those items now that I think about it. But again, you might want to bring those those elements into into your garden. And then something that I just I don't know that this is necessarily bringing in your practice or bringing in magic, but actually it is because in my mind, all nature is magic and animals and critters and creatures are magical. Um, but bringing in birds and and bees because they have a purpose as pollinators and they have a purpose um, as protectors of a garden space. So, you know, maybe on the outskirts of your garden, you might have a little birdhouse or you might plant some flowers that attract some bees. And that's just something really nice. It's a way of honoring those those critters and those birds and creatures as well. So you could do that. Um, there are, I know that there are so many more ways that you can make your garden a magical space. I only mentioned a couple of them, but I hope that that gives you some sort of idea or some sort of, yeah, some sort of, some ideas. <laughs> That's what I had to say. Some ideas. It has been I'm going to say it has been a long day today. I've, I've gotten a lot done this morning. It was a very busy day. And I will tell you, I'm a little bit off. And I hope that doesn't come through 
in the podcast, my my little dog, you know, you all know Reese because she's in every episode, but my little dog is very sick. She hasn't been feeling well, so I'll probably be taking her to the vet tomorrow morning if she doesn't shape up, but she's woken up the last couple of mornings um, sick, so I, I have her in her den today. I made her a nice little bed in her den, and she has, you know, her fresh water, and she has her little food bowl, and she's just curled up and has been sleeping all day, and she is an older dog. I've talked about her before. She is deaf, and she's going blind, and she's just the sweetest little Yorkie. She's so sweet, Um, and we went on a long walk yesterday, and I know that that tires her out, so maybe that's one of the reasons she's just really pooped and, and just sleeping all day long, but it does kind of worry me whenever she starts getting sick, Many times in the past, that has actually meant, and this is just silly, that she is eating Reese's food on top of her own food and making herself sick. This little dog, she's seven pounds, okay? She she will eat until she literally bursts. She, I have to restrict her on food. And I think she's been getting into Reese's food. So I'm hoping that's what it is. And if that's the case, I'll know by tomorrow because I've been able to keep her, you know, away from from other food. But anyway, I digress as I jump off on on my talk about my dogs, which that will just happen once in a while. And I know you don't mind it at all. So let's quickly talk about, I want to talk about a a ritual really quick. I'm going to pause just for a second because my son is coming to say hello. More interruptions today, (laughs) sorry, than, than other episodes. So I wanted to give you one ritual or something you can do um, at the beginning of the season to honor your garden and to ask for protection and ask for abundance in whatever it is that you are planting. So this is a garden spell bag. And I found this actually in the Green Witch. And I have not done this before, but I think I might try it this year because I really liked the sound of it. So this type of bag is separate from the general general spell bags because it calls for a slightly different approach because it's going in a garden. And it's designed to decompose. It's designed to fall apart. So it's going to require a different set of ingredients. So a garden spell bag is a charm. And it's designed to be hung outside or buried in a particular place. And they're generally made for protection, again, of property, protecting that area, protecting your garden, or to increase the fertility of a garden. And I mentioned that before. Because they're outdoors in the elements, they're generally pretty small. It's nothing big. And and this is for convenience as well as aesthetics. As the bag decomposes, the herbs that you stuff inside of it will start to fall out and the herbs falling out of a larger bag would just become a little bit too much. So using a smaller bag ensures a little bit less of a mess um, that I think, yeah, you'll like. Another reason to keep it kind of small is that a regular spell bag or like a dream pillow that you'll be filling Um, You're going to be filling it with herbs and you're not going to be using any stuffing. So to make the charm, what you're going to do is cut out two squares or rectangles and sew them together. And you want something that will will decompose pretty easily. Um, Burlap is always a good good thing to use. Um, So again, you're going to sew them together and eliminate any stuffing, like you're not going to put anything like that in there. Instead, you're going to fill the bag with herbs. 
So you're gonna sew the last side shut and then add a hanger um, to it or a ribbon if you want to, um, to tie it all up and then you hang it in an appropriate place outdoors. And when you design your, your um, garden spell bag, again, make sure it's material out of natural fibers. So cotton works really well. Wool, wool and silk will work. Natural fiber, of course, as I said before, you want to make sure that it's a neutral color, that it's um, unbleached and hasn't been color treated because that's just not great for the soil. The soil. And the rain will soak this and we'll soak the herbs inside. Um, so that could stain the fabric, but I don't think that really matters. If you're gonna put it outside, I don't think you'll, you care if the fabric is going to get stained from the herbs or gardens or anything. Um, but yeah, you can add, if you wanna add a stone to the charm bag, you can do that. And you can add it to the bag itself or you can bury it with the charm bag itself. If you are hanging the bag, for protection, then you can add crystals to the bag or, you know, place them underneath. It's completely, it's completely up to you. Totally up to you. But I thought that was a nice little um, item that you could make for your witch's garden. So I hope that you got some decent information today. I didn't go into detail about specific vegetables and herbs and magical correspondences because honestly, that's something that you could A, easily look up, but B, the main reason is I don't know where all of you live and I can't tell you what will grow well in the type of soil and the type of climate where you are. So that's going to take a little bit of research. And I think part of creating your witch's garden is research, doing a lot of research. We moved here last year and I had to research this soil. I had to research what grows best where we are living. And I was pretty successful just from research. My garden was, it was huge. I had, oh my goodness, I had so many cucumbers. I was driving the gator, the gator. I have my little farm equipment, my little farm truck, this mine that I drive around. I I took um a picture of it the other day and put it in my story. I'm sure you'll see the gator again because it's out a lot. But I, I delivered vegetables to my neighbors because I had such an abundance of vegetables last year. It was a very good problem. So part of planning this year is cutting back on some of the things that I plant. I had too much basil. Even though I would think I would never have enough basil, I had too much basil. Too much basil. I had way too many tomatoes. I was actually taking tomato plants out of my garden in the middle of July, repotting them and giving them away to neighbors in pots because they were, I had so many tomato plants growing because I just, it was a new area. I wasn't sure what would grow well in the soil here, even though I was bringing in soil too. Um, but everything grew. Everything grew even more than I expected. So I think my neighbors lucked out. Uh, but going back to what I was saying, you need to research your climate. You need to research your area, what grows well, and then follow you know, your area's guidelines for planting. Use the moon phases, like use the moon phases for planting specific types of flowers or herbs and vegetables. Um, but also use guidance from a resource that you have about what to grow, what specifically to grow in your area. Um, 
yeah, so I think that that is about it for this episode. So thank you for listening. And I hope that you did get something out of it and you're going to try some things in your witch's garden. Okay, moving into the card pull of the week. Naturally, I'm going to go with the green witch oracle again because we were talking about garden witchery. So this is the perfect deck. So let me go in here, shuffle them a bit, and let's see what spirit has to say for us this week. Okay, so, ooh, my favorite, basil. Did this deck hear me talking about basil a lot? And it knows how much I love basil. So basil represents trust. So let's see what the Greenwich Oracle has to say about some of this. So basil. Oh my gosh, my favorite. I can't wait for my basil to grow, by the way. I love my caprese salads. Mm. The garden suggests there might be a place where we can meet nature halfway. Oh. <gasps> That is the quote that goes with the basil card. I think that's why I was meant to draw that card for this episode. I just want to read that one more time because this is beautiful. The garden suggests there might be a place where we can meet nature halfway. I love that quote. Okay, I'm going to write that down somewhere. So basil will indicate energies surrounding trust and the workings of relationships. Consideration and putting more into gaining harmonious ground are required, and although this does not include romance, Basil is referencing any relationship or connection. Education and travel are all areas that are shining with positive vibes at the moment, but be wary of being in situations or relationships that you know are not good for you. Ooh, so this might be a clear message for some of you out there. So think about your relationships and what isn't serving you and your highest good and what is not good for you in regard to relationships right now. Not love, but other relationships you might have. So cultivating basil. Common basil is an annual, but there are perennial varieties available. Plant annual basil from spring to early summer in tropical zones, spring to the end of summer in temperate places, and autumn to midsummer in colder climates. So for me, it is It's time for me to plant it, spring to end of summer. Although it does prefer full sun, basil will grow in semi-shade and requires a fertile, free-draining soil in either a garden bed or pot. And that's important because you don't want the soils to get too moist with basil. It It does not do well. Harvest leaves as required and remove flowers as spent to extend seasons. So yeah, you want to make sure that you get those flowers. As soon as you see the little bit of flowers um, on your basil, you need to pop them right off. And they do, they snap right off with your thumb. You just pop them off um, and get rid of them. So magical correspondences of basil, the uses are for good luck, love, prosperity, reconciliation, and success. Um, Some of the deities, Aries, Jupiter, Krishna, Mars, Seth, Vishnu, Loki, um, and astrological sign associated with basil is Scorpio. So I like this. And there's a little trust spell that goes along with this. Um, so reconcile and mend the bridges of trust by sharing this pesto. You place two cups of fresh basil leaves, a quarter cup of um, Romano cheese, a third cup of pine nuts, and three garlic cloves in a food processor and blend until minced. 
Slowly add one half cup of extra virgin olive oil while the processor is running and season to taste. Decant into two blue jars and share to mend relationships. So it's a nice little pesto, yummy pesto that you're making there. So basil. Well, that's it for today. Um, Thank you all for joining me. Next episode will be 20. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm going to be hitting episode number 20. Time really has flown. But thank you all for sticking with me, those of you who have been listening from the very beginning and new listeners alike. If you like what I'm doing here and you enjoy the Comfy Cozy Witch podcast, um, please feel free to support me on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash comfycozywitch, you will find more information about that. I have three different levels, three different tiers, um, and the top tier will, which is Rosemary, will get um, a free or an extra episode of free, but yeah, it is free too, a free extra episode every month. In fact, over the next two days, I'm going to be recording the one that goes out for this month for March. So you get a bonus episode every month. And also I send spells, rituals, um, recipes at random times throughout the month for uh, the second tier, the second and third tier. So feel free to check out Patreon. That's a great way to support me. Um, also, you can find me at Comfy Cozy Witch on Instagram. Also, there's a Comfy Cozy Witch Facebook group, which you can find all of these links in my bio on Instagram. And you can contact me at comfycozywitch at gmail.com. So again, thank you for joining me. If you like this too, feel free to share, rate, review, favorite, subscribe. That's what I was looking for. I always get that wrong. Subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you prefer. So everybody, thank you again for listening to me chat about garden witchery today. And until next time, stay comfy, cozy, and witchy. Mm-hmm.